they had traveled long, you remember the last message uh, was the final exam. God had been teaching them to trust Him, to rely on Him. Uh, when the moment came for them to enter into the promised land, to lay claim to that promise, uh, to trust God, to take Him at His word, when that moment came and the final exam was there, they failed. They sent the spot. Moses sent the spies in and ten of them came back with a negative report. Two of them, Caleb and Joshua, came back with a positive report and trusted God. The people did not believe Caleb and Joshua. Rather, they took the word of those ten, the multitudes, if you will, of those twelve. The majority won over and caused the people to be disheartened, and they wept and they cried, and they refused to go in. Therefore, God promised that that entire generation would wander in the wilderness under his provision but would wander in the wilderness, and that entire generation, saving Joshua and Caleb, would not enter into the promised land. God made sure that they knew that that generation would die in the desert while their children would be able to go in and inhabit the fullness of God's promise in the promised land. So now we come to another point. Many years has now passed uh, since then. Moses has now died. The mantle of leadership has been handed to Joshua Joshua excels as a leader for God's people. And he comes up to the place where they are literally at the city limits of the promised land. Jo- the, the river Jordan is their, 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 their next uh, move. God has brought the people there to the banks of the Jordan River. And the promised land lies on the other side. This is now another final exam. This is a moment for this generation... Years later, the children of the ones who didn't believe, this is the time for them to take God at His word. This is the moment where they get to believe that God is going to do what God said He was going to do. This is the time that they can either choose to shirk back in in doubt, or they can move forward strong in faith in God. The Bible tells us in Joshua chapter 3, Then Joshua, verse 1, rose early in the morning, And they set out and came to the Jordan, and he and all the children of Israel, and they lodged there before they crossed over. And so it was after three days that the officers went through the camp, and they commanded the people, saying, When you see the ark of the covenant of the Lord your God, and the priests and Levites bearing it or carrying it, then you shall set out from the place and go after it. Yet there shall be a space between you and it, about two thousand cubits by measure, Do not come near it, that you may know the way by which you must go, for you have not passed this way before. And Joshua said to the people, Sanctify yourselves, or set yourselves apart, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. Then Joshua spoke to the priests, saying, Take the Ark of the Covenant and cross over before the people. So they took up the Ark of the Covenant and went before the people. And the Lord said to Joshua, This day I will begin to exalt you in the sight of all Israel, that they may know that as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. You shall command the priests who bear the Ark of the Covenant, saying, When you have come to the edge of the water of the Jordan, you shall stand in the Jordan. So Joshua said to the children of Israel, Come here and hear the words of the Lord. And Joshua said, By this you shall know that the living God is among you, and that he will without fail... Drive out from before you the Canaanites, the Hittites, Hivites, Perizzites, Girgashites, Amorites, and the Jebusites. 
Behold, the ark of the covenant of the Lord of all the earth is crossing over before you into the Jordan. Now therefore, take for yourselves twelve men of the tribes of Israel, every man his own tribe, and it shall come to pass that as soon as the soles of the feet of the priests who bear the ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth, shall rest in the waters of the Jordan, that the waters shall come down from upstream. They shall stand as a heap. Let's stop right there. Stage is laid. The plot thickens. I want you to think about something as we dive into this message this morning. I know that there are times I, I, we all struggle with this. There are moments where we look and think, man, living this life for God is just too difficult. There may be certain moments or hindrances or doubts or fears or maybe previous failures have kept us on one side of this river and we we look out and we think man i i know there's a great land there i know that god has great plans for my life i know that god has a full promise for me but yet in the middle as we look at it from a distance we see um, up front up close to us is this river and it seems very difficult and that river divides us if you think about it the jordan divided god's people it really was a, was, a, was a line that literally needed to be crossed. And on one side of the line, where they were originally, represented their doubts and their fears. It represented wandering. It represented really just kind of floating through life without any direction. But yet on the other side represented the fullness of God's promises. It represented a God who was faithful a God who wanted to demonstrate how much he loved these people by giving them this great land. This was truly the pinnacle of the promise. It was great that they were able to come out of Egypt, and we love that story. We love how the Red Sea parted and the people walked into it. We love that those, those band of slaves became God's own people, his sons and daughters. We love the fact that he rescued them out of hundreds of years of bondage. But let me remind you, God rescued them out of bondage to bring them to this place. And if you think about it in our life, yes, Jesus Christ saves us. And we praise God for the salvation that we possess. We are thankful for it. We meditate on it. We consider it. We praise God for it. But let me remind you of something. God didn't just save us to save us. He saved us so we could continue to grow in that relationship and experience the fullness of his love for us. He didn't just save us to take us out of sin. He saved us to bring us somewhere, ultimately to our home in heaven, but to be able to live a life of fullness and peace and satisfaction and joy and purpose while we're here. And there's a very dangerous place that we can find ourselves in as believers where we're out of Egypt, but yet not living in this land of the fullness of the promises of God because of that barrier or that hindrance that lies in our way. I want you to think of something this morning. The river really represents anything that stands between us and God's best for our life. Think about that for a moment. The river for the Israelites and also for us represents anything that stands between us and God's best for our life. Here they were wandering. Here they didn't have purpose. Here they were, were, a, were the offspring of a generation of doubters. But on the other side of that river represented purpose. It represented victory. 
It represented joy. Now, don't get me wrong. They were not without battles and struggles and tests on faith in the promised land. Don't get me wrong there. But that river represented much more than simple body of water. I want you to think of five things this morning as we consider that river and identify those hindrances in our own life. The first thing is this. The way God took them was a new way. I love that. I stressed it when I read it to you this morning in verse number four. Yet there shall be a space between you and it about 2,000 cubits by measure. Do not come near it. Speaking of the Ark of the Covenant, the representation of the presence of God. Do not come near it that you may know the way by which you must go, for you have not passed this way before. In my Bible, I underline that phrase. You have not passed this way before. Guys, that is huge. I know that that Joshua is giving them instruction because they're going to have to cross this river. And what Joshua was saying was the Ark of the Covenant, the priests are going to step out into the water. And the moment the soles of their feet hit the water, that river is going to heap up back where it came. It's going to stop. And you're going to walk on dry land. But what God was telling them is you have never crossed this way. And I want you to think for a moment what those wandering slaves must have thought of that. After years and years and years of tracing their own tracks around the wilderness. I mean, I would imagine that they had every bit of that desert memorized. I would bet that there was not one valley, there was not one hill, there was not one thing in that desert over all those years that they had not recognized. I would imagine that those people longed, longed to see some fresh scenery. I bet those people longed to be able to just step off of that path that had been well-worn from over that generation, just walking in the same area. Those words, you have never come this way before, had to be a shock to the heart of those people. Yes, we get to see something new. We're not, we're not just out here making the same circuit. We're not just out here watching the same scenery. God has something new for us. Friends, don't ever forget this. We worship a God who specializes in new things. We worship a God who delights to refresh us. He loves to bring us to new experiences. He loves to teach us new things. He loves to breathe newness into that which is old. He loves to bring new life to that which is dead. We delight in a God. We worship a God. We praise a God who is the king of new things. Everything he delights in doing has this signature of newness with it. You and I, the moment we came to faith in Christ, what happened? We became a new creation. The old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. In our life as believers, it is so easy for us to follow on the desert side of that river. It is so easy for us to be taking up the same spiritual ground, to see the same spiritual scenery, to be just wandering around without any purpose, without any aim, without any real direction. We're just floating through spiritually because we see that river. We see that hindrance, be it doubt, be it fear, be it a lack of faith, be it a a previous line of, of failures. We look at that river and we think, man, I know there's a great thing over there. 
I know there are great promises. There's a fullness of God for my life over there. I know there's this new adventure right there, but I just can't do it. So we continue this spiritual wandering, never seeing new scenery, never taking new spiritual territory, never growing in, a, in, a, in our new relationship with Christ, just living and walking. What does that river represent to you? What is, what is that hindrance in your life that is keeping you from being able to live and believe and trust and walk and abide and have your being in that new and fresh land? Does that describe you just kind of going through the motions, wandering, walking in circles without any real purpose, just hoping for something to change while you continue to trace your same steps over and over again? I want you to see the second thing this morning. God didn't just bring them by a new way. He brought them by a challenging way. Verse 15 or verse 14. So it was when the people set up from their camp to cross over the Jordan with the priests bearing the Ark of the Covenant before the people. Pay very close attention to verse 15. And as those who bore the Ark came to the Jordan and the feet of the priests who bore the Ark dipped in the edge of the water for the Jordan overflows all its banks during the whole time of harvest. That's an important little part, wouldn't you think? Maybe not so much for us who are reading it, but if you're about to cross it. See, God didn't bring them to the place where they're going to cross where there was a drought. It wasn't as though there had been this previous drought and they could kind of see, you know, rocks on the bottom. You know, it wasn't like God brought them to this place where they're thinking, well, I can just skip across those rocks. I mean, I, I can get it. I probably won't even get my knees wet. I can roll up my clothes that God's made sure didn't wear out this whole generation. I can just roll them up and get some high waters on and I can make it through there. That's not what God did. God brought them to a place at his perfect timing when it seemed absolutely impossible for him to do what was going to be done. You know, if you think about it, it would be it would be if we got to that place where that hindrance seemed easy to cross, we wouldn't pause to trust God in it. Then remember, I told you the whole point of this school of faith, this semester of faith that they were in was about them trusting God. You look at your life and you look at that river and it's not just a river. It is a river that is flowing fast. It is a river that has debris in it. It is a river that has caught so much upstream and it is flowing down and it is dirty water. It is nasty. It looks like chocolate milk and it is over its banks. So you're not having to just walk across the normal Jordan. You're having to walk across a flooded Jordan and you're looking at that. You're thinking, God, how am I ever going to get across that? The reason the things look difficult in our life, the reason these, these odds seem insurmountable, the reason why the problem seems so big is because if they weren't, we would trust ourselves. But to bring us to that place where we say, God, there is no way. There is absolutely no way I can be the person you want me to be. There is absolutely no way on my own strength that I can live that life. You know what that does to us? As we stand there and we say, God, there's a great life over there, but I can't do it. God told them what to do. Wasn't their genius? Wasn't their ideas? Joshua was a military commander. He wasn't a civil engineer. God told them, I want the priests to pick up the Ark of the Covenant. I want them to put it on their shoulders. 
And I want those priests, the ones who serve in my name, I want them to go out to that water and as soon as the soles of their feet touch that water, it's going to stop. Guys, you look at your problems and you think they're big. You look at that barrier between you and the fullness of the life that God has promised you. You look at that and you think, I can't get across it. You're right. The good news is you're halfway there. Okay? I can't do it. I can't do it on my own. If you're halfway there, that means that the hard part's over. The easy part is saying, God, you want me there. This is in the way. I'm going to trust you. I'm going to trust you, even though this river is flooded. Even though it doesn't seem it doesn't seem possible, feasible at all. God, I'm going to trust you and I'm going to dip my toe in the water. I'm going to trust you enough, God, that I'm going to put the sole of my feet in that water. I'm going to take the first step. That's literally what that means. I'm going to take the first step and trust that you are going to make a way. We worship a God who doesn't just delight in new things, but he delights in making a way where there seems to be no way. Notice the third thing. It was a miraculous way. Verse 17, Then the priests who bore the ark of the covenant of the Lord stood firm on dry ground. They didn't sink. I went fishing one time. Several of my friends wanted to go, and it didn't take much convincing for me to go. One of the strip pits over in Kansas was being pushed in. So one of my buddies who loves to fish said, well, if they're all being pushed in, then that means that all the fish in this big pit are now pushed into this one little corner. So we ought to just be like shooting fish in a barrel in a way. So you got a whole big strip pit, and then it's, it's over halfway pushed in. So that means all of those fish are going to be right here in this little spot. So you want to go, Tickle? Yeah, I want to go. So I grabbed my pole. We all got our poles, and we ran out there. But the way to get to the, the part where the fish were, we had to cross the part that had been pushed in. So we get up on the, si- on the high wall side of the bank, and we look down in, and I said, well, I'll go. So I jump out. into. The, but here's the thing. I didn't touch bottom. I jumped in, and I learned a little science lesson that when you mix dirt with water, it turns into mud. That's science. And it had to be learned firsthand because I jumped, and when I jumped, much to my surprise, I thought I was going to, I mean, I knew I was going to get muddy. Obviously, I could see it was mud. I thought it would come up to the top of my boots or something, but it sunk up to here. I did, not it, I sunk up to here. And guys, I'm telling you something, I wasn't touching bottom. There was no bottom to where I was. Luckily, it was like I jumped in a bowl of pudding. I turn around, I'm moving around, and every time I move, I'm uh, Pastor Swivel and his hips on stage. I turn around like this to look at my friends, and every time I moved and turned, you know what it did? I sunk more and more and more until I got up to my shoulder right here, right to the, almost to go over my shoulder. I remember I was looking down at it, but I had jumped off far enough that they had to take a fishing pole out to pull me back in. It worked. We didn't break the pole. I got back in, but you know what? That was not what happened to the people. God did something that totally blows minds. God did something totally miraculous, something that defies logic. He took a flooded river. And the moment the Ark of the Covenant, carried by those priests, demonstrated faith and stepped their soul on that river, the Bible says that the water heaped up. And that they stood firm. Not muddy. 
not, not, they weren't sinking. They stood strong. It was a new way. It was a challenging way. But it was a miraculous way. God delights in doing things that can only be described as God did it. We are much more comfortable to lay back with minor accomplishments or wandering around in a desert. We are more comfortable back here where there are no demands on our faith rather than being able to step our toe into the promises of God and see him do the rest. God wants to please hear this. If you don't hear another thing this morning, hear this. God wants to blow your mind and my mind with what he is capable of doing as we trust him. The fourth thing, verse 16, said that the Jordan overflows all its banks during the whole time of harvest. That was the challenging way. But look at verse 16, that the waters which came down from upstream stood still and rose in a heap very far away at Adam, the city that is beside Zaratan. Think about that for a minute. As they step in, it is God still working through the system of the world. He didn't make that water disappear. All of that water coming down in flood stage had to go somewhere, right? So there's upstream and then there's downstream. And if you think about it, what happened is when they step in and that water is cut off, that means downstream there's no more water. Upstream, there's a lot of water. Both sides of the Israelites' action, both north and south, recognize something's going on. It would have been much better to be downstream. Think about that for a minute, okay? Everybody's out. It's harvest season. You know people are active. You know they're busy. They're out in the fields. They're grinding wheat. They're running their mules or they're running their animals. They're doing all of these things in the harvest time. It's a very busy time. Families are all together. And all of a sudden, one of the kids looks out and says, wait a second, what's wrong with the river? It's not moving anymore. It's drying up. What's going on? You know that that had to catch the people's attention to realize that that river was stopping in the midst of flood season. It didn't seem right. But yet on the other side, you had people realizing the bank starting to encroach a little bit more. The river's really starting to flood. And before long, they realized that that water that was stopping was heaping up and backing up a very great distance away. Here's the point. This is what I want us to remember, is that when God does something in your life, when you and I take that step of faith to recognize what that river is and say, God, I'm going to trust you in this, and I'm going to dip my toe in it, when God does something, it is going to affect other people. The way was not just a new way. It was not just a challenging way. It was not just a miraculous way. It was a consequential way. There were consequences. In just a few chapters from our story this morning, Joshua is going to battle the five kings. And he is going to perform one of the greatest, God is going to perform one of the greatest miracles of all time through Joshua. The Bible says that Joshua sneaks up on his enemies at night and they take them uh, by surprise and they kill a great many of them. But some of the army continues to run. The ones that slip through their fingers, the armies and the kings that are remaining are running and they're trying to get into their own villages. They're trying to get into their own, their own cities, their own houses. They're trying to take refuge. 
And you know what Joshua does? Joshua does one of the most amazing things that has ever been recorded in the Bible. Joshua, in front of all of the elders of Israel, he says, sun, stand still, and moon, hold your place over the valley of Ajalon. Now think about that for a moment. Joshua, knowing they needed sunlight in order to run those guys down and finish the job, he literally, in the sight of all Israel, says, sun, hold your spot right there, and moon, freeze. And it did. For the space of a whole day. It provided more light. For Joshua and his army to finish the job. But. What did it do for the other side. Of the earth. They were in darkness. For a significantly longer time. What God did when he when he literally held the earth in its rotation and the moon in its orbit, when he literally reached down, took those celestial bodies and brought them to a, a grinding halt. He literally caused the effects of that action to be felt on the other side of the world. When God kept his promise with his people. The effects of what he was doing was felt both upstream and downstream. God wants to work in our life in such a way that it does not just have a consequential effect on us. God wants to do something in our life that affects other people. Do you know what they would have said after, those, after word would have passed? I would imagine that the only explanation that would have been going out to all the land of why one side flooded and one side dried up, I would imagine the only thing they could have said was the God of the Hebrews has brought them to the promised land. The God of the Hebrews has made a way. God wants your life and my life to be a billboard not of our power. Not of our accomplishment. Not of our strength. God wants our life to be a billboard of His power. He wants our life to be a reflection of His faithfulness. So the people would be able to see what He's doing in us. Something that is noticeable and recognizable and that we would not dare rob God of that glory and say that it's ours. But that in trusting His promises and living in the fullness of His promises and living in a land of great favor and blessing and, and to live that life not free of trouble but full of joy. To live in that life so much that people would ask questions. That it would be evident that God is doing something that can only be described as him doing it. It was a new way. It was a challenging way. It was a miraculous way. It was a consequential way. But lastly. Chapter 4. And it came to pass when. All the people had completely crossed over the Jordan. That the Lord spoke to Joshua saying, Take for yourselves twelve men from the people, one man from every tribe, and command them, saying, Take for yourselves twelve stones from here, out of the midst of the Jordan, and place 
from the place where the priest's feet stood firm. You shall carry them over with you and leave them in the lodging place where you lodged tonight. Then Joshua called the twelve men whom he had pointed from the children of Israel, one man for every tribe. And Joshua said to them, Cross over before the ark of the Lord your God into the midst of the Jordan, and each one of you take a stone on his shoulder, according to the number of the tribes of the children of Israel, that this may be a sign among you when your children ask in time to come, saying, What do these stones mean to you? Then you shall answer them that the waters of the Jordan were cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord when it crossed over the Jordan. The waters of the Jordan were cut off and these stones shall be a memorial to the children of Israel forever. The fifth and final thing this morning, guys, is this. It was a memorable way. You know, we think sometimes in our mind. I, I can say this about myself, I, I can't speak for you, but what I can say about me is that my spiritual sight sometimes is not very high def. My spiritual sight sometimes is really small. And if I'm going to be honest, a lot of times in my life I look at significant situations i look at spiritual victories or spiritual failures much too small my target is really really small i look at things really if i'm going to be honest mostly about how they affect me but i want you to consider what god does to them god makes sure that they know something that god doesn't view our lives and our situations through that micro lens that we often do. We look at it on a micro level. God looks at it on a macro level. We look about how something is going to affect us. God looks beyond us. And says, you know what? I've already got the next generation in mind. God literally, literally wanted them to go back into that river. Those 12 men. I want you to go back into that river where those where the feet of those priests stood firm. And I want each one of those men as a representative of the 12 tribes of Israel. 12 got out and 12 went in. And I want each one of those men to go back and literally get something out of this event. Think about it. Get something out of this event you tell them to go back pick up a stone hoist it up on their shoulders carry it out bring it back to the place that you're going to make camp and stack those 12 stones and it's going to be weird looking it's going to be a monument that's going to raise questions people are going to ask and what god says is that your children are going to look at that stack of stones and they're going to say you live in missouri that's all we grow is stones God's going to say, your children are going to look at those 12 stones and they're not going to ask what it means. They're going to ask, what does it mean to you? Big difference. Something can mean something to everybody, but what God was saying is, I want this to have a personal meaning to you. When your children see that stack of stones, you go to them and you tell them that God brought us through. 
You tell them that God was faithful. You tell them that God made a way where there was no way. You tell them that the river was up. You tell them that it was at flood stage. You tell them that there's no way we could have gotten into the promised land without God. You tell them that God is faithful. What God is doing in our lives today What God wants to do in my life right now is much bigger than me. It's much bigger than you. We look on a micro level. God looks on a macro level. What God wants to do in your life is affect people upstream, downstream, and the next generation. God does not do anything small. He has never done anything small. He takes the small and the insignificant. He takes the miniature and He makes it big. He takes little things and blesses them. Including our faith. Smallest. To dip our toe. To dip our toe in the promise. That is all they had to do. That's it. Dip their toe. Now granted, it was at flood stage. But those priests had to believe God's word. Friends, this is not complex theology this morning. There's nothing complex about it. First question is this. Do you know what that life on the other side of the river is for you? Do you know what that life represents a life of faith for the believer a life of purpose for the believer a life of fullness for the unbeliever that looks at that river let me help you identify what that river is that's your lost condition that river is literally separating you from a God who loves you from a God is able to look at your torn, tattered life and to be able to say, I've got something much better for you. And you know, if you think about it, it's still the same way. We take God at His word. We believe that we are sinners on the wrong side of the river. Separated from God because of our sin. And to be able to look across Jordan's stormy banks and to be able to see, you know what? Jesus did come to die for me. Jesus made a way through his own life to pay the penalty of sin that I could not pay. Jesus didn't build a bridge. Jesus literally parted the waters through himself. And I'm going to ask you this morning, right now, I believe this is, this is a day I believe God has been working toward for many of our lives. Today, will you believe God? Are you lost? Has God made it evident to you that you are on the wrong side of the, you are a lost person on the wrong side of the river? And this morning you can say, God, you're, you're, you're my Savior. God, you know I can't save myself. But today, today, I believe what you said. I know I'm a sinner and I know you died on the cross to be my Lord and Savior. And today I trust that. God, today, right now, right now, God, I'm dipping my toe in the water because you made a way believer were you able to identify what that river represents to you keeping you that doubt or fear 
lack of faith, long list of previous failures keeping you from doing what God wants you to do. Can you imagine? Can you imagine God's reaction? I know it sounds weird to say an all-knowing God's reaction. Can you imagine as those priests touched that water? Boom. And he stopped it. And those people walked over. I just can't help but think that God just went, (laughs) not that he was surprised, but just to see his people trust his word. The first final exam, they failed. The second final exam, they passed.